This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for thursday may 4th 2023 on today's episode of the show we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to my name is ben pearson i'm an editor at slashfilm.com and i'm joined on today's episode by slash film editor and chief film critic chris evangelista Oh, hello. All right, Chris, let's get into what we've been watching. What have you been watching recently? Uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which uh, opens tonight, I guess, uh, or today. Um, And of course, this is the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And I think it absolutely sucks. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) And this is... It's a bummer because I... I really like the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. In fact, I could I would say I kind of love them, or at the very least, I would I think they're some of the best movies Marvel has to offer. Uh, they're you know they feel like movies actually made by a filmmaker, and um, they 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 aren't you know they don't feel like completely dictated by committees like so many of the other Marvel movies do. So I was hoping this third one would follow suit, but um, it doesn't. Uh, I gave it a negative review, and I wish I had had even more time to think about it because I had I had less than twenty four hours to turn the review around because of the embargo. And I feel like if I had had even more time, I would have uh, <laughs> given it an even worse review than I did. Mm. I, it's a it is a an unfunny needlessly cruel movie with really hacky attempts at, at emotion. And 
I, 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 I just, the more I think about it, the more I kind of just hate this movie. So, and I, I feel like I have such a strong reaction to it because I really like those first two movies. I feel like if I didn't care about those first two movies, I'd be less like angry at this movie. Mm-hmm. But because I, I really like those first two movies, and I like James Gunn in general. I'm just kind of like, what a piece of shit this is. I oh. just, so. Yeah. Uh, that's me. I, I, you know, your, your mileage may vary. And, you know, I do feel like the other reactions have been somewhat more positive, but I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I really dislike this movie. And yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Brad was on, uh, I think on Tuesday and he saw it as well and was saying how disappointed he was by it. Um, so the fact that both of you walked away from this disappointment, I think Brad liked it a little bit more than you from the sound of it. But yeah. um, that man, I, I was I'm really bummed to hear this. Like, okay, so Chris, play the uh, the say something nice game about Guardians Volume Three. Is there is there an aspect that stood out to you, whether it's a performance or a visual thing or like a, a James Gunn ism that snuck through that uh, that you did actually appreciate? I mean, the soundtrack is good again. It has that really good uh, soundtrack thing going for it um i do not know how to pronounce this actor's name uh and i'm not even gonna try because i'll look like a dumb person uh but the actor who plays the villain the high evolutionary is really good he did he's 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 a very good actor and uh i (laughs) i i hope to see him in more he was on peacemaker too which i didn't really finish so i Mm. i can't talk about that much but He's really good. Uh, apologies for not being able to pronounce his name. I'm just an idiot. Uh, <laughs> if, if I could, I, I I don't want to take a stab at it because I'll, I'll just butcher it. But he's he's fantastic in the movie. So I think I saw that James Gunn said that, like he was like one of the best actors that he's ever worked with. So it sounds like that that came across in this movie at least. Yeah, he's very good. He's very good at playing the villain. So that that's that's one. You know, I liked when he was on the screen, but. Uh, otherwise it, there's really not a whole lot here for me to, to latch onto to say that I love there's, there's like a, a one take fight scene near the end of the movie that, that looks pretty cool. I guess that's something, but okay. I, I don't know, man, this just did not do it for me. All right. Well, I'm going to go see it. I think this afternoon at some point, and maybe next week we'll have like a big spoiler discussion about it. And we can sort of get into some of the issues that you had with it specifically now that, you know, more people will have, uh, will have had a chance to see it. So, um, I am very curious about the next thing that you're going to talk about, Chris, Ant-Man three, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, my sense of you going into this was like complete ambivalence. Like you, you know, you were just kind of like, let's see what happens here. Is that, uh, does that fairly characterize your approach going in? And what did you think about this thing? Yeah, I don't have any affinity for the Ant-Man movie. I like Paul Rudd, but I don't like the first two Ant-Man movies at all, really. And I did not like this either. This oh. this is a piece <laughs> of shit. Oh, my God. Uh, this is worse than Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is bad in a way that made me angry. Whereas this is bad in, like, I don't understand who any who these movies are for anymore. They're so by the number and I'm talking about Marvel as a whole, not just anime. They're Mm -hmm. so like formulaic and lifeless. Uh, You know, this movie takes place almost entirely in the quantum realm. So nothing here is real. And I don't want to disparage the, the effects people who work really hard for really paltry amounts of money. And they're being pushed to the brink by Marvel and other studios who just, abuse their their uh talents and so you know no offense to those people who are doing the best they can but having an entire movie where your characters are running around like a cartoon essentially 
does nothing for me at this point. Like, unless I'm watching who framed Roger rabbit, I'm getting sick of these movies where everything is just fake and artificial and CGI, no matter how realistic it may look, it's always going to look like CGI and it's always going to be distracting. And uh, if your plot isn't, like there for me to care about. If your characters aren't there for me to care about, I'm going to start noticing how bad everything else is. Like if yeah. you can distract me with a really interesting storyline, then yeah, I'm more willing to be like, all right, the backgrounds look fake, but the, that was a cracker Jack story. And mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp does not have that. It's just a, a bunch of crappy set pieces. And <laughs> it's, you know, it forces Michelle Pfeiffer to just say utter dreck dialogue. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer should not be forced to be delivering lines like you sent a message down to the quantum realm. Like, shut up. (laughs) Just uh, stop making these movies. Just please. You're wasting everyone's time. You're wasting my time. You're wasting Michelle Pfeiffer's time. (laughs) Just stop. Just stop making these movies. I beg you, Marvel. Just take a year off. (sighs) Yeah, it would be nice if they actually had, you know, what appeared to be some sort of cohesive plan from the outside. Um, You know, I'm sure Kevin Feige and his crew have, have you know 10 years mapped out or whatever um and they've they've announced new avengers movies that they're building toward and all that the jonathan major situation is is going to be quite a thing for them to grapple with in the coming time who who knows how long they're going to wait until they make a statement about that or how they're going to handle that situation um yeah i mean look i i had a ton of issues with this movie there there are plenty of things that just straight up don't make sense or really terribly executed, but I still found myself having a little bit of fun with it. And I think it's just because my bar for Marvel movies has dropped so low at this point that, you know, anything uh, resembling fun instead of, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, kind of the dour stuff or just like the, the things that I find boring in other movies, uh, anything that, that has a little bit of a spark of life to it. I, I uh, cling on to like, you know, Tom Cruise hanging on to the bottom of a plane or something like that. So uh, I found some things to like in this movie. I'm not going to sit here and try to like persuade anyone that it's like a great film in any way. Um, and and it's probably like, you know, mid-tier Marvel at best, you know, but uh, and I'm, I'm very sad to hear that Guardians 3 is not uh, is, is not great. But I am a little heartened, Chris, because I liked Ant-Man 3 more than you to hear yeah. that you thought that uh, that Ant-Man 3 is worse than Guardians, because maybe that means I'll like Guardians a little bit more. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I, you know, by all means, and this goes to everyone out there. Don't take my word for it. Everyone should always form their own. Like, one of the things that annoys me so much is when I give something a bad review and someone's like, I'm going to see it anyway. Like, good. I, I'm not trying to stop you from seeing it. (laughs) Just, uh, this is my opinion. By all means, go see it. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Yeah. We always want people to see stuff. That's the whole point. It wants, it's supposed to be a conversation. So, um, okay. So, uh, what's the next thing you've been watching, Chris? I've watched Fatal Attraction, the movie, not the new show that I feel like no one is watching, but, uh, it occurred to me, I had never actually seen this movie and I had it on Blu-ray because, Uh, it got sent to me at one point and I just never got around to watching it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch fatal attraction. And this is a a really damn good movie. And um, it's crazy to think that this was like a huge blockbuster movie when it came out. It also got nominated for best picture. And it's like, wow, this would like never happen now. Like there used to be these movies 
that could be released and they were aimed squarely at adults and they could be hits and they could be critical darlings and they could get nominated for Oscars. And it just doesn't happen anymore, man. Like, you know, even though I feel like adult movies do get nominated for Oscars, they're by no means like blockbuster hits. Like people, people don't go see that because they're busy seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crazy that once upon a time we had these really adult movies that, you know, were hits like this. And especially nowadays when there's this weird puritanical backlash from like, I don't even know who these people are. I guess they're like younger people who are like, you don't need sex scenes in movies. Like, shut up, you friggin' nerd. <laughs> like, I feel like if those people watch this movie, their heads would explode because there, there are a lot of sex scenes in this movie and they're like really horny, passionate sex scenes movies where Michael Douglas and, and Glenn Close are like tearing each other's clothes off and like the the puritanical brigade would lose their shit watching this today. And uh, that's another thing. Like, you don't get that in movies these days. They're very, like, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie with a sex scene in it. I'm sure there's something recent, but it's like slipping my mind. And yeah. so, uh, you know, obviously I feel like everyone knows the plot of this movie. Michael Douglas is, uh, you know, he's a waspy guy and he's married and he's got a kid and he meets Glenn close and, uh, she's like really into him and he's like, yeah, let's do this baby. And, uh, <laughs> she turns out to be very unstable and he's like, I'm done with you. I'm going back to my wife. And she does not want to hear that. And so she, starts getting crazier and crazier. And uh, it's just a really, it's really stylish. It just looks amazing. Like every shot in this movie just has this like cool lighting to it. And there's like smoke and, and shadows and it's got that sheen to it that, you know, movies from this era used to have that, that specific like glimmer. I can't, I don't know mm -hmm. what, I don't know what you call it, but it has that look. I guess because it was shot on film, unlike now, or <laughs> shot yeah. on digital. So yeah, this is a, a a damn good movie. I think it's streaming. Uh, let me look this up while I'm talking. I'm killing time and blah 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 blah. <laughs> it is streaming on Amazon Prime. So uh, if you've never seen this or you want to rewatch it, you can watch it right now on, on Prime Video. What do you think about this subgenre, Chris? Because there, there are a lot of movies like this, um, you know, these sort of like erotic thrillers of the 80s and 90s. Like, where, where do you think that Fatal Attraction ranks on, uh, you know, among those movies? Because this is, you know, with the, with the movie fresh in your mind and, and this being your first time seeing it, um, do you think it, it is like at the top of the, of the pack or is there one that you can think of that you might uh, prefer to this one i mean it's definitely not like the, the top of the top but it's definitely in like the higher echelon because a lot i i mean first of all i love the erotic thrillers of this era and criterion just had just put out the criterion channel has like a section right now that's like a bunch of erotic thrillers from the the 80s and 90s and i recommend checking those out but a lot of those movies even though they're fun to watch are, are like trashy and i love trashy but they're you know they're trashy in a way that's like this isn't that good and uh Fatal Attraction is made with a certain like skill and care that a lot of those other movies aren't made. Like, I don't know if I would, I think like basic instinct, which also starts Michael Douglas mm -hmm. is a better movie than this. So, uh, you know, even make of that at what you will, but this is definitely in the, in the upper tier of, of the, the erotic thrillers of the era. 
Yeah, I feel like Michael Douglas is like one of the patron the patron saints yeah. of this, uh, this subject. He's also in Disclosure. He's very good at playing like horny guys who get in over their head. Basically, like he horns himself into trouble. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I was just thinking like one of the other ways that I, I feel like this movie might not be made today is that Glenn Close was like 40 years old, I think, when they made this. And it just does not seem like Hollywood would allow a 40-year-old woman to be at the center of a story like this right now. It, it would always, it, you know, it would have to be like, Sydney Sweeney in yeah. Fatal Attraction yes, or something. Exactly. You know, somebody yeah. like super young. So, um, you know, it was just like a, a whole different era. It's wild to think about and look back and, and to think about it being nominated for Best Picture is blowing my mind because I had no idea that that happened. And it got so many nominations. I'm looking now like Best Actress for Glenn Close, Best Supporting Actress for Ann Archer, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, Best yeah. Director. That That is wild to think about for a movie that is in a genre that a lot of people sort of dismiss as, like you were saying, sort of like, you know, uh, trashy fun or whatever. Um, but I think it, it must speak to the, the uh, yeah, the, the overall quality of this movie that it was like, or, or maybe it's just like it's, it's power in the zeitgeist at the time because this was like a huge deal when it came out. Yeah, it was a huge hit. It was, uh, I don't even know what... It, $320 million, it cost $14 million to make. So wow. <laughs> that is a huge box. And that's like, I'm assuming that's like, uh, you know, $1987. So I don't even know what that is in, in today's money. But yeah. <laughs> that is a huge, huge hit. And uh, again, I said this already, but it's just crazy to think that there was a time when these movies came out and adults were like, let's go to the movies and see this. Like, I feel like if you were making this now, I, I mean, I'm not even feel like this is literally what happened. You're making this now. It would either be a TV show, which is what it is on Showtime now, or it would like go right to Netflix and it would star like, I don't know. Somebody from TikTok or something. Yeah, someone I don't give a shit about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just like, I, I want that back, man. I want, I mean, I was, I was a kid in 1987, so I don't, I, you know, I can't really relive that, but I, I want that back that era where adult movies come out and adults actually go to see them and they make money and they keep making these movies and those days are never coming back man like they're they're gone they're like it's like it's the same thing as like this kind of movie is to what silent movies are now it's like it's never coming back and Mm. it's like a bummer like damn i wish we could get this this period back and you know even if someone made this movie today because they still make you know i they recently made, they recently released, what the hell was that? That Ben Affleck added the Armist movie, uh, Dark Water, I think it's called. Yeah, and that's from the same director as, same director. as uh, Fatal Attraction. Yeah. And that went right to Hulu. And it's like, and that movie's not that good. I don't think it's as good as Fatal Attraction. <laughs> but still, the fact that that couldn't even get a theatrical release is just like a huge bummer. It's like, damn, man, we, we can't win. We used to be a proper country. <laughs> exactly. What happened to us? <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right, Chris, I had a chance to watch uh, two movies that are are linked in a way. Uh, I watched The Wages of Fear from 1953, a French thriller, and then I watched Sorcerer from 1977. Um, have you seen either of these movies? I've never seen The Wages of Fear, but I've seen Sorcerer, and I absolutely love Sorcerer. It's, it rocks. It's such a cool movie. God, both of these movies are unbelievable. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Uh, the Wages of Fear is streaming on the Criterion channel right now, if you want to watch that. And then I think I paid like $3.99 or something to rent Sorcerer on Amazon Prime. Prime Video. Um, Sorcerer is a remake of The Wages of Fear. And uh, the the basic concept is that in a, I think it's a South American uh, sort of like a, like a, um, like a hellhole town that's like really far away from everything. And like everyone is in, is uh, impoverished there. It's sort of like the end of the world. And a bunch of guys end up there because they're either on the run from, uh, you know, their past, or they've just sort of you know, hit rock bottom basically in this little town is where they've ended up and they don't have enough money to get out of the town. They don't have enough money to do much of anything other than just sort of sit in the heat and be miserable and drink at the local bar and a, an oil well, uh, owned by an American company catches fire in a town that is like 200 miles away. And the only way that the uh, company can get this oil well to stop just bursting and gushing flames is to basically blow it up. Like it's out in the middle of nowhere. And the only way they can take care of this thing, there's no way they can get enough water out there to like put it out with a traditional, you know, like a fireman cut type of situation. So they just basically want to just blow the whole thing up and that will put an end to their problems. The trouble is that it's very difficult to get stuff all the way out there. And they have a bunch of nitroglycerin or like, um, like uh, dynamite basically that is sort of leaking uh, the nitroglycerin compound or whatever that is inside of it. And the only way that they can transport this stuff is on very rickety, uh, uh, what would you call them? I guess just trucks, like transport trucks. And so the people uh, who have a little bit of money and and are overseeing the the sort of corporate part of this town basically just like put out uh, a call to the poor people of this town and say, hey, we're going to pay you insane amounts of money. We realize this is an incredibly dangerous task, but we're going to pay you so much money that you basically can't turn this down as a job and uh, just take the risk, risk your life and drive over, you know, bumpy jungle roads, basically, to transport this, uh, this like very, very, um, uh, <laughs> like, uh, not flammable, but um, uh, oh, dangerous I- kind of, um, I don't know, if there's any sort of, tip or bump in the road or whatever, this thing will just completely explode and ignite. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly suspenseful movie because the, the whole, I don't know, probably the first hour is set up. And then the whole rest of the movie is just following these guys as they're just like sweating bullets in the driver's seat of this, uh, of these trucks. There's four, um, characters really that you follow two two guys in each truck. So you're following two trucks as they're going through the jungle and going over all these obstacles. And there's a a tree in the middle of the road at one point that they have to like come up with a creative way to get around that because you can't just like go off road in this thing. And there are all these different obstacles that pop up and the suspense in both of these movies is just 
incredible. The performances are great all around. Um, it's just such a killer premise for a movie. I, I love the simplicity of, you know, it took me a minute to, to, uh, <laughs> to explain it there, but really like when you're in it, it, it's, it flows much more, um, it's, it's much more obvious what's going on. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I there are so many like breakneck, um, sort of palm sweaty sequences in this thing that, uh, that just, I, I was like completely riveted the entire time. The, the original movie I think is like two and a half hours. So it's a little bit longer than the remake than, than Sorcerer. Um, but I would re- definitely recommend Chris going back and watching The Wages of Fear because it is slightly different than how the action plays out in Sorcerer. There's there's a couple different uh, little differences that I thought were um, notable and, and made Sorcerer like an interesting adaptation. Um, but Sorcerer stars uh, Roy Scheider from Jaws, and he's like the most famous face in that. And and uh, William Friedkin from The Exorcist directed Sorcerer and. Uh, this movie came out, I think, in the same weekend as the original Star Wars and basically just got, like, buried by that and and sort of became this, like, uh, I don't know, uh, like, uh, almost like a forgotten type of movie. And then it's been reclaimed in recent years with people being like, hey, this thing actually rips. This is this is yeah. really good. Um, so what are your memories of uh, of watching Sorcerer, Chris? Are there any moments that stand out to you? I mean, there there's a scene where they go across this bridge and it's like raining and the bridge is like over this water and it's shaking and, and they can't just like it's like a it's like the bridge from indiana jones it's not like a normal bridge it's like a ladder yeah, like a bridge, or, bridge or something yeah yeah so like they can't like just you know let's drive they have to like slowly inch across it and it's like the most harrowing thing and what i also love about this movie is like the first like i i want to say it's like 40 minutes like it could be less than that but it's like is this really extended prologue that shows you who all these guys are and how they ended up in South America. And that's another thing. Like if you were making this movie today, some executive would be like, cut this out. We need to get to the trucks. And I mm-hmm. love, I just love how it's like this buildup of like, who are these guys? Why are they all in hiding or on the lamb? And like, you know, they're, you know, they're like thieves and con men and, you know, they owe money basically. And they're like, we got to get the hell out of here. And mm-hmm. They're all just desperate men. And, uh, you know, I just love that buildup. I love how, like, sweaty and miserable everyone looks. Like, everyone looks like they need a shower so badly. You can, like, practically smell them, like, as you watch the movie. And it's just this, like, this visceral experience watching that movie. And uh, I actually didn't realize Wages of Fear was on Criterion Channel. And now that I know, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out because I'd be curious about it. But I, I love Sorcerer. It's so... It's just a badass movie. It yeah, rocks. It really is. Tangerine Dream does a score, yes. which is awesome. And uh, yeah, it's just like synthy and, and perfect. Um, and the great thing about both these movies is that they were really made before, well, I say before CGI. I know that Star Wars came out at the same time and definitely has CG stuff in it. But like before the onset of CGI, the takeover of CGI, and like the, uh, the fire that I was describing earlier is like the fire in the beginning of um, of There Will Be Blood or something times, you know, five or whatever. Yeah. It's just, just this huge 
plume of flame that they actually physically did. And you can tell that there's no trickery there. It's like they actually went out into the middle of the jungle and just lit this huge thing. It looks like a nuclear bomb goes off or whatever. It's it's insane. And so, same thing um, with the the bridge. Like they're really, I, I mean, I think they built everything for that scene, but it's like yeah. they're really driving this real truck across this goddamn bridge. And like, you can tell it's real because there's like a guy sitting on the bridge, like directing the truck. Yeah. And it's just like the fact that they're like, again, like if they made this movie to the gay, it would, that would all be CGI. It would not be as effective because you'd be like, well, that's not real. And, yeah. you know, th- it's that, that tangibility, the fact that like they have a physical truck and a physical guy and a physical bridge. And it's like, mm-hmm. it makes everything 10 times more exciting. And I miss that too, man. I miss that. You know, movies used to be magic, you know, and I want that magic back. I want that physical magic, you know, to to jump off the, you know, mentioned Star Wars. Like when I was watching, I don't know if you watched it, but that Disney special the, the about industrial uh, light, light and magic. magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and great. it's like the first few episodes where they're showing how they did everything practically. And, you know, they use models and they use all this tr- stuff that's like magic tricks. And I want that back so badly and i don't think it's ever coming back and it's such a it's such a huge bummer I, you know i'm not saying every movie made today sucks i i'm not like that but yeah there's something missing there yeah and it's i i wish i could get that back yeah and we're, we're also not saying like every movie in the past was great too yeah we're, you know, we're, we're selective uh about that stuff but um but yeah i i totally relate to what you're saying chris and and um you know, one other thing, just to continue talking about Sorcerer, just very briefly, the, the one of the other things I think that really makes the, that scene, that bridge scene you're talking about, is that, like, there are a ton of insert shots of, uh, like, close-ups of the wood that that is make that makes up the bridge as it's, like, rotting and cracking underneath the tires. So you really get a sense of the stakes of this thing and, like, just how um, precarious this situation is. You can feel the, the tension in the air. It's crackling. It's so damn good. So... Um, yeah, I encourage people to watch The Wages of Fear and Sorcerer. The interesting thing, Chris, that you'll notice about uh, Wages of Fear when you watch it is that it does kind of, it doesn't just jump right into the truck stuff, but it doesn't have that thing where it follows all these people from all over the globe where they end up there. It just starts in the little crappy town. Wow. And so uh, you get a sense of their relationship through the character dynamics that they uh, portray in in the actual town there. And you don't really get a ton of backstory to them in the same way that you do in Sorcerer. So that's one where one area where I think uh, Sorcerer actually improves on the, um, the source material. And also the ending of uh, both movies is very, very good and, and really um, kind of like secretly one of the best things about it. And, and the ending for The Wages of Fear is... Um, is a little bit more comical, I'll say, than than what happens in Sorcerer. So I'm very curious to talk to you about what you think about the, the ending of it. So uh, I encourage people to check those out if you can. Um, really quickly, I have two other movies that I wanted to mention. I saw Bo is Afraid, and this movie is just like not for me. I, I really appreciated the scale and the idea that like Ari Aster got away with making you know this huge, uh, very personal, super strange. Um, you know, relatively big budget for A24 anyway, uh, movie where he just kind of throws all of his neuroses and um, and uh, interests into one big blender and just hits, you know, whatever the, the craziest setting. Um, but like, I, you know, uh, this movie is not quite my tempo, I guess, is in the, in the uh, J.K. Simmons uh, parlance. But um, I, I know that you were a big fan of it, Chris, and, and I certainly like appreciate it more than I like it. But uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know if I have yeah. much more to say. There are, there are moments that like certainly burn themselves into my brain. There are uh, scenes and sequences that I, I will remember for a long time. Actually, one that I'm just thinking about the movie now that is not something that I will probably remember for the rest of my life, but I'm remembering right now that was so strange is that uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character re-enters his apartment after a bunch of people from the street have sort of like taken it over and thrown a big party in there as he was locked out. And the next morning he goes back in and he's trying to type on his computer. And there's a shot where somebody's shoe is embedded in his computer screen. (laughs) (laughs) It's like such a tiny, ridiculous detail, but I feel like it speaks to the sort of heightened quality of the the entire movie is like incredibly heightened. And it really, it, it almost feels like a Looney Tunes type of moment where, um, you know that, that, that like that's not how computers work it almost like yeah. it's sucked into a portal or something where like half the shoe is not visible and uh and the other half is just sticking out and there's like you know the, the glass is spidering out around from around it and it's like it's never commented on nobody even will probably remember what i'm talking about but it's just a um you know ari aster is just like such a stickler for details that um i definitely appreciated that that level of uh the production design set design and all that stuff is, is just kind of mind-blowing to to think about as a project even if like the uh overall narrative didn't necessarily uh grab me in the way that i wanted it to um okay and then lastly i watched uh, den of thieves which I, I feel like i remember you and ht talking about this movie around the time that it came out and and like really going to bat for this thing i watched it on the plane when i was coming back from uh vegas and uh this movie kind of slaps <laughs> i really it enjoyed rocks, it I mean, it's definitely heat light like there, you know it's it's uh it's like monster are... energy heat, basically. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it, it's it's influences are very clear. But um, yeah, there's a scene where Gerard Butler's character eats a donut off yes. the floor at a crime scene. And I'm like, man, what a great way to sort of set the table and like, you know, put us in this world and like let us understand who this guy is and what kind of person he is. Because like that action alone, I think, says a lot about like what kind of guy uh, th- this person is. So there's like another part where he's like chugging Pepto Bismol. He like yeah. Ger- Gerard <laughs> Butler looks more hungover than anyone has ever looked in their lives <laughs> in this movie. And I like he just has that like ruddy, sweaty, unch. He just look. He looks like he's like was on a bender, and then they just started filming him when he woke up the next day. Yeah, and it's like um, it's amazing. Yeah, there's and Pablo Schreiber, I think is his name, is the I guess the villain, the the leader of like the the crew that's going to be trying to rob this um this uh like the federal reserve federal reserve yeah exactly and um i thought he was like incredibly effective in this part i i I know him from like orange is the new black and like the early seasons of the wire i think he was in season two of the wire um but i haven't really seen a ton of his i guess more recent work and i just thought like this is the type of thing that he should be in all the time he should be in these almost like i know den of these was not a directed to video movie but like that level of sort of grungy action kind of thing where like a bunch of guys are wearing tattoos and like, yeah, yeah, there's just sweat everywhere and people are, um, you know, getting into gunfights in the middle of the street. Like there's a gun, uh, a gun battle, I guess, at the very end of the sort of climactic moment of the movie where, uh, there's just shooting a bunch of people in traffic and like there are cars all over the place, presumably families and people in these cars. And this movie does not really care about like the morality of, you know, let's, let's clear this area or whatever. It's just like people start opening, opening fire and like, you know, all that plays probably not that there weren't mass shootings in 2018, but this movie came out, but this, this movie plays a little bit differently. Um, Thinking about some of that stuff 
now and like the the um proliferation of of like it seems like every other day there's a mass shooting or whatever but the movie itself is like so uh grungy and like pulpy almost that you kind of in a way that like i think a lot of people have some problems with the john wick movies because they they um not glorify but just like put gun violence at the center of the story gun violence isn't really at the center of den of thieves as much as like that sort of uh, swaggering bullshit attitude that a bunch of these guys have. And then like the guns kind of come as like a secondary thing. So I was able to sort of separate it. I'm sure everybody's going to have their own opinions about how, you know, how to compartmentalize and, and deal with that kind of stuff since it's like being, you know, we're, we're being bombarded with it on all sides right now. Um, but still, I, I just found Den of Thieves to be an incredibly effective movie, even on a plane, which I think is, is a, uh, fairly high praise for like a movie that probably wasn't like, um, you know, aspiring to be like this great uh, modern classic or whatever. It's just sort of like a, a grungy action picture that, um, that I think works really, really well for what it is. So uh, I remember hearing Chris that there's supposed to be a sequel to Den of Thieves. Do you, have you been like following the, the Den of Thieves universe? Do you know if there's, if you the know, development on that is, is still ongoing? It's such a, it's a weird coincidence that you brought us up because uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Who, who's in the, he's, he's uh He's, he's in the first movie uh, and is coming back for the sequel uh, posted last night on Twitter that he's filming the, the sequel right now. They're filming oh, wow. It, so they're filming it right now. The sequel is called Den of Thieves 2 Pantera, which is like, yes, that <laughs> oh absolutely God. rips. I can't wait. <laughs> That's so perfect. I'm very excited for Den of Thieves 2 Pantera. I don't know when it'll come out, but they're shooting it right now. I'm guessing they're shooting it right now. I'm guessing it won't be out until next year unless they yeah. – they pull a Steven Spielberg and get it out by Christmas, but I don't. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, the, it seems to me like it'll be like a January movie because Den of Thieves has like big January movie energy. So uh, maybe January twenty twenty four. Maybe um, I don't know. That might be pushing it a little bit if they're shooting in the middle of summer. Maybe it'll be a little bit later than that. But yeah. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna push Jacob and, and try to convince him that we should do like a Den of Thieves week when Den of Thieves two comes out. We can sure. we can I'm... analyze the first movie to death and. Uh, just have a lot of fun posts up on slashfilm.com. So uh, I'm glad you're in, you're a fan of that movie, Chris. Thank you and and HT for talking about it. Uh, you know, so so fondly back in the day, and finally convincing me to watch it all these years later. So uh, one more uh, Den of Thieves fan is now. That's right. The hive walking. is growing. The <laughs> yes, Den of Thieves exactly. hive. <laughs> all right. I think that's going to do it for today's episode. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Please leave your name and general ge geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.